Have you heard before the humorous story about a man? He was sitting at the edge of the bed and saw his wife looking at herself in the mirror. And since her birthday was not too far away, so he asked her, what do you want for your birthday? And she looked at herself in the mirror and said, I like to be eight again. So on the morning of her birthday, he arose early, made her a nice big bowl of Cocoa Pops, and then took her to the theme park. What a day! He put her on every ride in the theme park, up and down, screaming here and there, everything. Every roller coaster, some twice. And five hours later, they staggered out of the theme park, and her head was still reeling, and her stomach felt upside down. He then took her to Macca's, McDonald's, uh, where he ordered her a Happy Meal <laughs> with extra fries and chocolate shake. And then it was off to movie, popcorns, chocolates, m and m what a fabulous adventure. And finally, they wobbled home and they were tired, crushed in bed. He leaned over his wife with a big smile and lovingly asked her, Well, dear, what was it like being eight again? And her eyes slowly opened and her expression suddenly changed. You, idiot. I meant size eight. <laughs> All right, man. And the moral of the story is even when a man is listening, he's going to get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are, we are going to look at this missionary habit today on the word listened. We have been over the last couple of weeks looking at these five habits of highly missional people. We say that we need to cultivate some of this habit so that it becomes part of our lives and then be a bit more intentional about the way we live our life. And there are five habits that Michael Frost in the book Surprise the World talks about. And we have been through two already. And today we are looking at the third one. And it is under the acronym BELLS, B-E-L-L-S. Cultivate these five habits and be intentional, be a bit more missional. Then you can, in a position, able to share the love of Christ with those around us. Sometimes you, can do, you need to do a lot of hard work even before you get to that point to be able to share the gospel with others. And so the first one is BLESS. If we seek to bless people, we are cultivating the habit or the values of being generous. Yeah, you always seek to bless people, you become generous. Naturally, you build up these values of being generous when your, your outlook is always there to bless people. And then last week, Pastor Caroline touched on the word eat. When you eat with people, you're hospitable. You spend time with people, you invest in those time. Eating with people so that the person knows you as a person. 
then they can lend you their ear in down the road. And you build up this value of hospitable. So today we are looking at the third one, listened. When we listened, we become more spirit-led because we are learning to listen to what God is saying. And then the next, we'll have a, a mission week uh, next week. The first week will be a guest speaker, and the second week we'll touch on learned, and then the third week we'll do a sand, and then we have another guest speaker. So today I'll just like to look, look at the word listen. How does listen built into our habit helps us in our uh, mission work here on earth? You know, effective communication is definitely more than talking. In fact, research has shown that you actually communicate more by learning to listen. Because when you listen, you're giving attention to the deepest details, emotions, and thoughts of a person. Sometimes most influential thing one can do is to listen. When you don't know what to say, listen. That's the best. For me as a pastor, sometimes I don't know what to say when I go to hospital. What are you going to tell people whose loved one is in crisis? What are you going to say? What words can bring comfort? Sometimes just listen and be there rather than say the wrong thing. And many years ago, I attended the Alpha course, not attending the Alpha course per se, but learning how to run the Alpha course, the, the values behind Alpha course, why Alpha course is, is in some way very effective. And one of Nicky Gumbel, the, 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 the man who, who is the face of Alpha course, he said this, he said, one of the most sincere forms of respect is actually listening to what another has to say. And Alpha Course provides a platform for people to talk and you listen. It is a, one of the sincere forms of respect is to listen to what another has to say. Listening is one of the loudest forms of kindness. And today we are not talking about listening to one another. That's not what the missionary habit is talking about. It is more of listening to God, what God is saying to us, so that you can live life more intentional and more missional in the sense. Did you know that the word listen has the same number of uh, letters as the word silent? If you rearrange the word listen, is the word silent. So in order to listen, you need to be silent. But silent is incredibly difficult. Not just only in terms of words, but silence of your heart and your mind. How do you keep silent of your heart? It's very incredibly difficult, isn't it? Even prayer, sometimes when you shut your eyes, your mind is thinking of 101 things. What am I going to have for, for dinner, lunch, this and that? What do I need to do today? That your mind begins to drift. That you can't even focus on prayer and be attentive to it. It requires hard work. Required to be silent. Mother Teresa says God speaks in the silence of the heart. And listening is the beginning of prayer. Listening is the beginning of prayer. Not speaking, not talking. It's listening. It is the beginning of prayer. 
A.W. Tozer many years ago said, religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise-size activity and bluster make a man dear to God. You need to jump, you need to be loud, you need to have a lot of activity, then you are actually closer to God. It is not. And Jesus always made a priority to listen to God while on earth. It's a sign of dependence. And this is what we ought to do. We depend on God. This is our entire Christian life, learning to depend on God. The sense of constant feeling inadequate and learning that God, what you want to do? What, God, what can you do through me or in me? Jesus always made a priority to listen to God. And so I want to read to you some verses and then I want to unpack and just give you two points and then we can have a fabulous lunch together. Uh, I want to begin by reading to you Mark chapter 1. You see, that evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who, who he was. Very early in the morning, I love this verse, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Please notice that he had a very, very busy day before that. Many people crowd around wanted to sue him. And despite that, he said very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! That means, in other words, they're almost rebuilding Jesus. Say, what are you doing here? There's so much work here. There's so many people crowding around there. So many healings to be done. So many demon possessed there. Why are you withdrawing and go and stay by yourself? Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. To the nearby villages. So I can preach there also. That's why I have come. Let me read to you a few other texts first. Another text is uh, Matt, uh, Matthew 14. It is in the context of, of feeding the 5,000. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus said, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get, go, immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And then in Luke chapter 5, it's in the context of after healing a leper. This is what he said. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Yet the news about him spread all the more, so the crowds of people came to near him and to be healed of the sickness. 
And look at what Jesus did. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and pray. Last, uh, Luke chapter 6 as well, uh, before choosing, choosing the 12 disciples, Jesus went on to a mountainside to pray. And so you can see that Jesus always made a priority to listen to God because he is totally dependent on God. He only wants to do what God says. In the 60s, in the 1960s, there was a book written called The Tyranny of the Urgent. It was only meant to be a, a very short book. Uh, I read this in the 80s when I, was, uh, I became Christian in the 80s, and I went to attend a Navigator's Conference, and this book was introduced to us. It's just a short essay called The Tyranny of the Urgent, and it has since made it into the corporate world, management. But it was not meant for that, actually. But it has been used now greatly in, uh, in, in, in corporate world. It's written by a guy called Charles Hummel. Tyranny of the urgent, cruel, unreasonable of the urgent. In it, the author basically argues that there is a regular tension between things that are urgent and things that are important. But more often than not, the urgent wins. The urgent always wins over the important things. And he went on to say this. He said, the important task rarely must be done today or even this week. But the urgent task always calls for instant action. The momentary appeal of this task seems irresistible and important and they devour our energy. But in the light of time's perspective, their deceptive prominence fades. With a sense of loss, we recall the vital tasks we push aside. We realize we have become slave to the tyranny of the urgent. Urgent always take priority. But urgent things may not be the important things, but they always take priority. And as a result, we actually don't do the important things. We only attend to those urgent things. And so he came up with this quadrant. He came up with this quadrant, one, two, three, four, and he said there are some things that are important and urgent, both at the same time. And there are things that are important, but actually not urgent. And then there are also things that are not important, but they are actually urgent. And lastly, quadrant four, there are things that are both not urgent and not important at all. And so he has a word to help us deal with these four quadrants. And if those things are important and urgent, he says we need to learn to manage those things. If it is important but not urgent, we need to focus on those things. Focus. Important but not urgent. You need to focus on those things. And if it is not important but it is urgent, then we have to exercise caution. Because it is not important, but it is urgent. So you need to exercise caution. And lastly, if it is not important and not urgent, then we need to limit or some even say to avoid. If it is not urgent, not important, you need to 
put a cap, limit it, or totally eliminate it. And he says that your greatest danger in life is permitting the urgent things to crowd out the important things. We are so busy doing the urgent that we don't have time to do the important things. But in order for us to discern what is important and be missionary in our daily lives, we need to steal our noisy heart and learn to listen to God. These are important things. If you want to be spirit-led, we need to do the important things, even though it may not be urgent, but it is important. And prayer, reading God's Word, those basic spiritual disciplines, they are important things. And if you don't place uh, time on that, you're going to live in regrets as a believer. Pansy is the book called Thoughts. Pascal says, Pascal says that all of humanity's problems stem from man's inability to sit quietly in a room alone. You know, we, we are used to activities and actions. Some of us struggle even to take plane on a plane. You can't sit still, you know, even though we have entertainment. But it's so difficult. He said that is where humanity's problem begins because we can't, we don't have the ability to sit quietly in a room alone. And solitude, time with God, listening to God, is so essential, not just to our physical life, but our mental health, emotional health, and our spiritual health. Henry Nouwen, one of the great spiritual authors, he said, it is in solitude that we discover that being is more important than having, and that we are worth more than the results of our efforts. And in solitude, we discover that life is not a possession to be defended, but a gift to be shared. It is in solitude you discover this because you spend time with God and God begins to breathe His life into you and whisper to you who you are in Christ. Isn't it not true that when we cling to the results of our action, if your identity is defined by, by your, what you produce, then our only, that is the only way of defining yourself, then we become possessive and defensive. And we tend to look at our fellow human beings more as enemies to be kept at a distance than as friends with whom we share the gifts of life because your whole identity has been defined in that ways. And therefore, you say solitude is the furnace of transformation. Without solitude, we remain victims of our society and continue to be entangled in the illusions of the false self. How many people live through life actually don't know who they are? We get lost. We are being defined by what others think we are and what we think we are. And yet we don't know who we are. You know, before marriage, I think I'm a very patient man. Then I discover myself, after marriage, I'm not so patient. Before marriage, I think I'm a very selfless man. But after marriage, I discover that I'm actually quite a selfish person. So sometimes we think we are like this. We think who we are, but that is not who you are. And the best mirror is the Word of God. If you want to know who yourself is, the best mirror to look in is the Word of God. The Word of God will tell you who you are. 
And so solitude, when you spend time with God, when you pray, when you listen, you will lose this trap of the society who continue to give you these illusions of the false self that you are. Sometimes we know that without a lonely place, our lives are in danger. Somewhere we know that without a silence, words lose their meaning, isn't it? That without listening, speaking no longer heals. That without distance, closeness cannot cure. Somewhere we know that without lonely place, our actions quickly become empty gesture. And Henry Nolan said, a life without a lonely place, that is without a quiet center, sometimes can become destructive. It can become destructive. Learn to listen to the silence. It has much to say. Silence isn't empty. It's full of answers. Silence is full of answers. It's not empty. Because God is going to speak to you when you steal your heart. When you remain silent, it makes room for listening. Yeah, when you talk to someone, when you don't talk, you are listening. It makes room for listening. It gives us freedom to observe things. It allows time to think. It provides space to which to feel. It lets us broaden our awareness. It opens us to the entry of peace. And it invites us to know our limitations and God's vastness when we learn to be still before the Lord. Jesus got alone to pray often and listen to God. And to be missioner, we need to learn to listen so that we are spirit-driven. We are not self-driven. We are spirit-driven when we learn to spend time with the Lord. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Empty, deserted, without distraction. I don't know why people come to church, love to sit in front and sit behind. I always find sitting behind is always very distracted because you can see everything. I love to sit in front, not just because I'm a pastor, so that there's lesser distraction. Because our eyes, I mean, have you ever wondered why prayer you shut your eyes? It's again to... I mean, not that you have to shut your eyes, but why is it common practice people shut their eyes so that there's no distraction, isn't it? When you shut your eyes, there's no distraction. Visual. Cut off your visual, your hearing will go up. That's what happened to blind people. They can't see, but their hearing is very sharp because they have one visual cut off. So you want to hear, listen more, you cut off your visual. Then you can hear more. to the still, quiet, where he can hear the voice of God. The busier he got, the more he prayed. That is the lifestyle of Jesus. Martin Luther said that once, he said, I'm so busy that I have to spend three hours in prayer. Ironic, isn't it? Why did Jesus even need to pray? He was God in the flesh, after all. We need to remember that Jesus was God in human flesh. But he did not come to this world to live as God. He came to live as spirit-filled man. That's why he's a complete, full human being. Jesus prayed because he lived his life in total dependence on the Father. 
Jesus prayed because he wanted a totally unhindered fellowship with Jesus, with God, with the Father. Jesus made every effort to stay in close, constant communion with his Father. That is a sign of total, complete, absolute dependence on God so that you are spirit-driven and not self-driven. Let me give to you uh, two points. Uh, the first one is listening or prayer restores power and perspective. Listening restores power and perspective. Listening to God, praying to God, spending time with God restores power and perspective. You know, physical tightness can, can be fixed easily. All that you need to do is just sleep and rest for a couple of days or weeks, and then you will recover. But emotional, mental is not that easy. It's very hard. A lot of depressed people, mentally, emotionally, they are depleted. You just can't them say, go for a holiday, buy clothes, make yourself happy, go shopping, and then you will fix it. It doesn't fix that way. It doesn't, because emotionally and mentally, you're completely drained. You can't. Some people drag on for years, even on medication. It is the emotional and mental tiredness that often sap or gradually weaken us. And listening to God, spending time with God, either restores power or perspective, or it, build, it builds up the reservoir in you. It builds the, the, the spare in you, in a sense, when you build into habit. That's what I mean by important but not urgent. These are important things you need to focus on so that you can see things in the right perspective. Even when you go through severe trials or suffering, perspective, power can restore. Power comes from character, and the formation of character comes from spending time with God. You become who you worship and what you worship. And when we spend time with God, you restore your perspective and power returned back to the Power comes from proximity with God. The farther away you stay from God, you have lesser power in your life. There was a story of a man who challenged another to an all-day wood chopping contest. The challenger worked very hard, stopping only for a brief lunch break. But the other man had a leisurely lunch and took several breaks to have a cup of tea during the day. And at the end of the day, the challenger was surprised and annoyed to find that the other fellow had chopped substantially more wood than he had. And so he went up to him and said, I didn't get it. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, and yet you chopped more wood than I did. And the man simply said, but you didn't notice something else, said the winning woodsman, that I was sharpening my axe. When I sat down to rest, I was sharpening my axe. Prayer, listening, restores power and perspective in our lives. There's a poem that I read very frequently because I like it. It's called Song of the Seed. Song of the Seed. It said, Life unfolds a petal at a time. 
slowly. Not plan, huh? life, all right? Life unfolds a petal at a time, slowly. The beauty of the process is crippled when I try to hurry growth. Life has its inner rhythm, which must be respected. It cannot be rushed or hurried. Like daylight stepping out of darkness, like morning creeping out of night, life unfolds slowly a petal at a time, like a flower opening to the sun, slowly. God's call unfolds a word at a time, slowly. A disciple is not made in a hurry. Slowly I become the one to whom I am listening to. Life unfolds a petal at a time, like you and I, becoming followers of Jesus, disciple into a new way of living deeply and slowly. Be patient with life's unfolding petals. If you hurry the bud, it withers. If you hurry life, it limps. Each unfolding is a teaching, a movement of grace filled with silent pauses, breathtaking beauty, tears and heartaches. Life unfolds a petal at a time, deeply and slowly. May it come to pass. Listening to God, spending time with God, prayer, it gives you perspective. It gives you power in your life. Secondly, listening or prayer clarifies direction in the text that is given to us in Mark chapter 1. Listening clarifies direction. I mean, even, even on a normal scale, you get lost, you ask someone, you're listening to someone, you, you get the direction right. Listening clarifies direction. So much of emotional and mental energies are wasted when we do not have a direction, isn't it? When we don't know what we are going to do, you know, we get lost. You see a group of people standing around, they don't know what to do, you know, they, they get wasted. But when someone stands there and says, hey guys, can you please arrange five straight rows of chairs and put all this, you know, things get done very fast. So much of time wasted when, when we, we get lost in direction in a sense. Even as a pastor, I get lost all the time. You know? But listening clarifies direction. Look at what Jesus said. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus has an urgent task there. So many people wanting his attention. What did he do? Did he listen to Peter and say, oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Man, I'm just having a nap. I know I'm just wanting some time alone. I'm okay now. I'm charged. I'm, I can go back now. What did Jesus do? Jesus never listened to him. Jesus said, let us go somewhere else. When you listen, you clarify your direction. Let's go somewhere else. Because out of prayer and listening to God, direction is established. Let us go somewhere else. Jesus said, let us not return back. Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. Now, this last sentence is important. That is why I have come. So out of prayer, listening to God, direction is established. 
but mission is underscored as well. It clarifies Jesus' direction. Jesus knows that's why I'm here for. Not just stuck to one group. However urgent that may be, of this person needing to be healed and all that, however urgent, however how many households that I still need to go, as urgent as it is, but I come here through what? So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So out of prayer and listening to God, direction is established. Mission is underscored. That is why I have come. That is why I came for. Jesus' ministry would not be confined by his healing. And prayer was a time of centering, of clarifying. And prayer and listening to God does the same for us. Only in the soil of devotion is one's mission or vision clarified. Prayer protects us from succumbing to human demands, human approval, prevents us from settling for secondary goals. Only in prayer and listening to God is one enabled to say no. No to some of the best opportunities, if I may say. Say no to some of the best opportunities and Jesus has to walk away. I know some more people need to be healed. I know some more people, but I have to move on. More important things in the sense. Jesus make a priority of preaching. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. There can be no doubt that Jesus had a ministry marked by the miraculous, but he's by listening to God, he knows that he has to move on as well. So these are the two things when we learn to listen to God, we are spirit-led. Perspective are clarified, power restored, and as well as knowing the mission that is ahead of our mission is clarified. You know, life is about priority. No one is busy in this world. It's all about priorities. If you want to know anyone's priority, just notice their actions, they say. If it's important enough to you, you will find a way. If it is not, you will find an excuse. And so listening is important things. It is under the category of important. It may not be urgent, but important. And those are the things you need to focus on. Listening, prayer reading God's word that we talk about the next session. Let me end off with this simple story. There was a group of shepherds strolling down the gorge trail. I got this story from a book called They Smell Like Sheep by Dr. Lynn Anderson. And in it, she said that a group of shepherds strolled down the gorge trail, chatting with one another, followed by a long, winding river of sheep. At the fork of the trail, there are four shepherds converging, and all their sheep just mingled together. The shepherds shook hands and then had a chat, greeted each other, and parted ways each taking a different path as they headed out into the grasslands. 
And as the shepherds headed their separate ways, the mass of sheep streaming behind them automatically divided into smaller flocks, each flock stringing down the branch trail behind its appropriate shepherd. And when the various shepherds and their flocks were distanced from each other by a few hundred yards, each shepherd turned back to scan his own sheep, noting that some strays had been left behind and were wandering in confusion among the rocks and bush. And then one of the shepherds cupped his hand this way and caught out in a strange wail, wee, 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 something like that, you know. And at his shout, a couple of stray lambs were perked their ears and bounded towards his voice. And then the second shepherd did the same thing, says, yippee, beep, 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 beep. And then those sheep that belongs to him, somehow those stray sheep will just get behind and follow this particular shepherd. And then another call in stray, shrill words again, and then it happens. And then the author in conclusion says this. He said, this is incredible. He said, none of the wandering sheep seems to notice any voice but the voice of his own shepherd. And this is what Jesus says, isn't it? My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My sheep hears my voice. Can you distinguish the voice of God from any other voice? Because you have four voices. Do you know you have four voices every day? Your own voice, others' voice, Satan's voice, and God's voice constantly bombarding you? Can you distinguish that? And you have to spend time listening to God. It takes hard work, but when we learn to listen to God, we are more spirit-driven. Then we will be in a position to do what God wants us to do. Let me pray, and I'm going to invite you to sing this beautiful uh, song together. Father, we thank you for being our great shepherd. Lord, we want to be missioner, but we also want to learn to listen to you. We don't want to do what we want to do. We want to do what you want us to do. If we keep doing what we want to do, it leads to bondage. If we do what you want us to do, it will lead to freedom. True freedom is doing what we ought, not what we want. And so we thank you that you are our shepherd. We can listen to you. You lead us. You always lead us, Lord. Help us to learn to steal our heart and our mind and invest in the important things as you have, not just attending to urgent things. Some of the urgent things that we do are absolutely not important. So we thank you for today that we can sit here and to hear your word. And we pray that your Holy Spirit will work in us and help us to invest in the important things so that we will not live 
in regrets. Thank you, Lord, as we sing this beautiful song, we once again be reminded that you are our shepherd. Thank you, in Jesus' name.